where adventure awaits during Jeep Adventure Days going on now at Bettenhausen Jeep on 159th Street in Tinley Park. Bettenhausen has hundreds of new Jeeps to choose from with great 0% and special leasing offers. Your best Jeep buying experience starts now at BettenhausenCDJR.com. Welcome to the Hockey Show presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. The Hockey Show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? Here are your hosts, Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Cowbell, and I need more hockey talk. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Happy New Year, everybody. With Brian Hanley, I'm Pat Boyle, coming to you from our first Midwest Bank Studios in downtown Chicago. Happy New Year, Brian. Happy New Year, PB. How's everything with you? Well, uh, the Hawks are finally going to get back to work today, so I'm, uh, I've, I've been uh, dealing with the, the cancellations, the postponements, if you will, uh, they miss what the last five games. Uh, they'll make those up, so it's going to make for a very hectic February and March and part of April, and who knows? Yeah, maybe into the summer. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Eighty games already postponed. Uh, nine due to the crowd restrictions up in Canada, north of the border. Even have one of the Montreal games switched down to Boston on January twelfth because there are obviously no, currently no uh, crowd restrictions uh, in the NHL arenas here in the U.S. So who knows? It's been it's been a week in so many different ways for us here at ESPN, but it's been also a week with protocols being minimized and then, you know, tests being I mean, it seems like everyone's been if you if you haven't been found positive, you you know about half a dozen people who are, right? So it's just continues on. So stay healthy, everybody out there. Um let's start with what you alluded to there, uh this being a uh a very somber week here at ESPN 1000 and um, the passing of our teammate and friend, Jeff Dickerson, who passed away at the age of 44 due to complications with colon cancer. And uh, Brian, I thought uh, this station showed you what family is all about with what we heard not only Tuesday night when the news broke, but all week long. Uh, as we remembered our friend and our colleague and our teammate, and as somebody who's been in this town and has uh, been in a lot of locker rooms, has been down the dial, has seen it all, uh, there's one thing you heard from story to story, from colleague to colleague, just how many of them just cherished their time with Jeff. And it was it was real in an in an ego filled agenda filled business like ours is uh he was he was one of the few that didn't have the ego and did not have an agenda you know pb you've been around this thing forever too and i i've been in press boxes where you know guys came to fisticuffs right and from the same team i mean same same paper same radio station you you just said it all right there when I first came here uh, to ESPN 1000 a couple of years ago, it was palpable within the first time I walked into the building how close everybody is, and it's genuine. Yeah, and and that is sadly that's saying something because everywhere I've worked, 
I would say the majority of people get along, but not everybody. And I'm just saying Ray Flores, uh, you know, used to be part of the team here at ESPN 1000. And he tweeted out that it, it was always family here. And this week showed how much it is. And I, I mean, I could never quantify it. I just could feel it every time um, how I was ex- accepted when I first started here. And, you know, the outpouring nationally, when Adam Schefter, you know, tweeted out the, the GoFundMe page and the response. I mean, the response in town was unbelievable because that's who Jeff was. I mean, all if you had any interaction with Jeff, and we all did, it just seemed like a snapshot. And you're like, he's one of the best guys around. Right. And you just you just took it for that. But to see the legacy he's left, his son Parker, because of the outpouring, the donations, you heard it here from everyone who took part in in celebrating his life this week. What a wonderful way to to leave your son uh, an example of how to live life. Look, the city of Chicago stepped up, and, and we've seen it time and again, but it, it was the family of, of the National Football League that really blew me away. And I, I think you hit it right on the head by tipping your cap to Adam Schefter. If he doesn't retweet that Jim Ursay donated this and that the Washington Redskins did, like it, it kind of built momentum. And then, you know, here we are, New Year's Day, and as we tape this, the, the, the GoFundMe page, Parker's Fund, is approaching a million dollars. And this ESPN company uh, has said that they are going to pick up Parker's college education. So, like, And he's like, such an athlete. He might, have, yeah, he might actually yeah. have a scholarship to sure. pick his sport because that's what a wonderful kid he is. And, you know, the, the Blackhawks Foundation, the Chicago Bears, Tom Ricketts, uh, you mentioned, you know, the Chicago Bears, certainly. Uh, Jim Mercer, as you said. Uh, Andy Dalton, who's been here less than a year. I mean, it, 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 people just who, who you know, Andy obviously was around Jeff. Uh, just if you were here, for, if you met him a few times, you couldn't but help but feel this love. You, you felt the positivity whenever you were around him. And this week, to, to see the love that was given back to him was unbelievable. What, what I loved most about JD was the realness and the optimism that he had about life, but the realistic approach that he had to sports, you know, absolutely. He was able to divide church and state, so to speak. And there were things he loved. And, and, you know, you would hear this past week where, you know, he did national shows with hoodie and he was always well-prepared and every hit he had on the Chicago bears from Hallis hall had plenty of information in it and just just enough humor to keep you going uh and there were some things that you know he didn't love maybe you know maybe the hockey, maybe the hockey show wasn't maybe his favorite show no. on ESPN 1000 i thought randy merkin told a pretty funny story this week of how he was trying to get gretzky uh on the show with jd because they both shared the same birthday. Here's how that went. So JD comes in. I think Sylvie, you were in that day with him. Is this when the Cubs drafted his son or something no, like no, that? No, no. So JD comes in and he goes, "Merk." He happened. He goes, "Merk, it's my birthday tonight." I said, "Oh, happy birthday, JD." And I said, "I said, let's look up who else is I, who has a birthday." And he goes, "I said, JD, Wayne Gretzky has the same birthday as you." And he goes, "January 26th." He goes, "Very cool." And I said, "You know what? I'm getting Wayne Gretzky on to wish you a happy birthday." And he goes, "No, no, Merk, you don't have to do that, please." And I said, "No, no, no. I this is happening, JD." So I text. Wayne Gretzky and he goes 
I explained him the situation. He goes, Randy, I, I've, you know, kind of confused. He goes, I'd love to. He goes, but I've got meetings all morning. And I said, Wayne, we're just looking for three minutes. Just come on. You can both wish each other a happy birthday. And he goes, I really have meetings all morning. And I said, he goes, all right, call me at 1145 your time. There's an outside chance. So I tell this to JD. He goes, Mark, please don't bother. No, no, you don't have to do this. And I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. So 1145, I call the great one and he answers. And I'm like, hey, Wayne, it's Randy. He starts laughing. He goes, you really want me to come on to wish him a happy birthday? And I said, yes, I think this will be great. The two of you can wish each other a happy birthday. And he goes, he starts laughing. He goes, I'm all for it. Go ahead. Put me on. It's a cameo video before cameo. Yeah. Yeah. So JD right. and, and Wayne Gretzky both wished. I think we may have talked Hawks for a couple minutes, but both wish each other a happy birthday. And then uh, Merck went on to say, you know, mid-conversation, Gretzky's line just shook a little bit, and uh, JD took the took the time to say, "All right, well, that's going to do it for a conversation with the great one." Thanks, Wayne. Got to let you go. Oh, it's just classic, and that just made me laugh. I look a, a lot of laughing was needed this week for us to get over the sadness, and, we'll, and we won't. And that's that's what happens when we lose loved ones. Um, and I, I, I think the, the part that you touched on about. Uh, this place in particular, ESPN 1000, it starts with the leadership and management, but they've assembled a team. And it's whether you're a producer, uh, whether you're in sales, traffic, uh, on air, what have you. Uh, there's a pretty cool bond here. And, and having worked in other places in media around town, that's what keeps me coming back to do shows like this because of the realness and the family. And um I just thought we there's no way we could start this show without uh, talking about our friend Jeff Dickerson. All right. Well, promise me on my birthday, you don't call Cher. You and Cher have the same birthday. I, it was Stan Makita. That was I was proud okay. of that. Okay. Josh, Cher, yeah. and Hanley. You got me. I got you, babe. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, mine uh, is uh, Albert Einstein. I don't think he's Whoa. with us anymore. <laughs> um, let's see. Who else is on there? I don't know. It doesn't really matter, does it? You uh, stop at Einstein. Yeah, I'll stop at Einstein. That's a good, good way to, to walk out of the room. Uh, coming up next, I go one-on-one with the interim head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, Derek King. We cover a lot of topics. What's his message to this team as they embark uh, on uh, this kind of this restart here after being off the last two weeks? We have some fun, too, kind of a... a, uh, a lightning round where I name a, a player and he gives the, the first thought that comes to mind or word or two to describe them. And we get his New Year's resolution for himself and the team. It's next on The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. Listen on the new ESPN Chicago app from anywhere. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. The Hockey Show. Presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. We're back on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Blackhawks back to work after two weeks off. They will take on Nashville in the Hockey Tonk this afternoon. They are uh, 
They're 10 points out of the final wild card spot as they get back to work, Brian. But I think we would we would admit that uh, Derek King has certainly changed the uh, the feeling, the mo, and and whatever else you want to throw out there about this season where where it started the first 12 games. Definitely a different team, uh, much more competitive, and uh, need to be. You know, there has to be more there to get back in the playoff conversation because the points have been going the wrong way for the last three weeks. But the product and the eye test so much better. Yeah, so I had an opportunity to catch up with uh, Derek King earlier this week. Uh, you know, there's something he brought up at his initial press conference about accountability. We touched on that. We get into some rapid fire about some some players. Uh, we talk about, you know, the Ted Lasso, Walter White type stuff and, and what it's like now to be a head coach in the National Hockey League. Uh, but we started things off with is how he talks to players behind the scenes. I see him talking to select players on the ice at practice or morning skates. Uh, when he has those conversations, does he find himself going back to his playing days and putting himself in their skates, or is it more of a coaching perspective? Here's my conversation with Derek King. No, I, I think I'm doing it a little bit of both, but I'm probably more leaning towards as a player. Um, I remember as a player, my assistants were, you know, all the assistant coaches I had over the years, they were great, great conversation guys. Uh, and it wasn't always about hockey. It was, you know, how are things? Hey, I heard you got a new girlfriend. How are things going with that? Or how's, how's family life with your kids or what have you? And it's not always about hockey when I'm on the ice talking to these guys. It's about, hey, how's your day going? You know, what's, what do you got going tonight? How's the family? How's uh, the newborn? Is everybody sleeping at night? It's all these little things. And then all, I will throw some hockey stuff at them here and there and talk to them about it. But mostly, you know, 75, 80% of the time, it's more just life stuff, just chatting. You talked about accountability in your introductory press conference, and, and you're very positive when you talk to the media, um, even if it's about a player that might be struggling a bit. You, you're very calm behind the bench. Is there a different side that we maybe don't see when it comes to accountability with players? When I'm, you don't get to see me coming in the locker room between periods, kicking over the Gatorade. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know what? The accountability is on them. Um, When I first come in here and I said, you guys got to be accountable for each other. And we're going to try to make you guys accountable. And they've done a great job with it. Um, You know, and you can see them give them back to the bench and they're upset. And another guy's, you know, bringing them up on the bench or pointing out that, hey, we got to get that puck deep or, hey, shoot that puck now or finish your check or what have you. These guys are, I, I'm really impressed at how accountable they are with each other. They take a lot of pride in this. Hey, they've had some struggles here at the start of the year, but uh, I haven't seen any of those struggles filtering around the room or on the ice. And um, I believe that, you know, they're playing for each other and that's how it should be. Do you guys talk much about the playoffs and, and where you stand, or is that for a conversation for further down the road? Yeah, that's got to be further down. We just take it game at a time, day at a time, make sure these guys are prepared for every game. But the biggest thing for me is make sure these guys uh, bring energy every day, whether it's practice or a game. Um, let's enjoy this. Um, it doesn't, you know, your career could be ended. Uh, two years from now, it could be ended in two months. Who knows? So you have to enjoy it. And that's probably some of the little things I didn't do enough of. I mean, I like to have fun when I play, but I probably didn't enjoy it as much as I should have. Probably took a 
put a little too much pressure on me. Um, so my message is for these guys is the stuff I've learned is you got to enjoy every day here. You know, you don't know when it's going to be over. Going to do a little rapid fire with you. If it's all right, I was going to mention a player and you give me a word or two, or maybe a sentence that uh, first comes to mind. It can be about their personality. It can be about their play. It can be about anything. You, you up for that? Sure. I'll try. All right. Steph Jones. Character. Alex Dabrinkit. Uh, great shot. Brandon Hagel. Energy. Mark Andre Fleury. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> yeah. Dylan Strome. Sleeper. Connor Murphy. Uh, intelligent. Jonathan Taves. Focused. Patrick Kane. The best. I like that. I like that a lot. Hey, you talked early on when you took over about going to dinner with your twins and, and they were telling you about people comparing you to Ted Lasso or Walter yeah. White. <laughs> yeah. We've learned some king-isms uh, over the last couple of months, the bad shrimp and stuff. Um, yeah. what, the extra stuff that comes along with this job. I, I wouldn't say the celebrity stuff, but the extra stuff. Going to restaurants and all of a sudden it's like, you're the one that's, that's the Hawks coach, that kind of thing. Well, what's that been like for you? Have you have you enjoyed it or, or has it been different because of kind of the circumstances we're in with, with COVID? Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people, because if I don't have my toque on, I don't think people know who I am. They're <laughs> probably still waiting to see if Q's around at Binnie's or something like that. But um, I've had it a few times being out like, hey, that's a coach. They've come up to me. Um, a lot of times, too, I have my mask on so they don't get to see my mug. So, but, uh, you know, it's funny. It, it, that stuff doesn't bother me. I was always the approach when they stop noticing you or stop asking you for an autograph. That's when, you know, you're in trouble. So I try to sign autographs. I try to be approachable. And then the stuff like you were saying with Ted Lazo, I, I think it's hilarious. My kids laugh at it all the time. So, um, but I'm enjoying, it. let's put it that way. Does the family keep you grounded too? I mean, like, yeah, uh, they do. my wife keeps me grounded and, I, I think I'm a pretty humble guy anyways, to begin with. Um, I don't, I try not to take, I don't want to say I don't take it serious. I try not to take myself too serious. And whether I was a player or even coaching, I just like to, um, I like to enjoy what I do and I want the players to enjoy what they do. And hopefully I can get them to that point. And I think they're doing, they're doing a pretty good job. They're having fun. We're approaching here the new year, uh, 2022. Can you give me a New Year's resolution, a personal resolution, and then a team resolution? Personal res. Okay, I I got, had it uh, asked uh, before. I am gonna cut out desserts. I wow. eat way too many desserts, and my wife can bake, so I'm cutting back on my desserts. And then the team, um, I again, I it's more personally, team wise. Just I want to just keep learning every day with these guys. And then as a team, I just like to see us put ourselves in a position to be able to go for it, at least try to be involved in the playoffs here. That's interim head coach Derek King joining me. I'll have more on that on the pregame show today and tomorrow on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, 
Brian, he's a character. He's the type of guy that would fit in well with with the Hanley crew, uh, <laughs> tipping a couple and, and telling some stories. Yeah, let's all go to Benny's and look for Q. And if he's not there, let's drink anyway. Um, yeah, with that, it, it, look, I haven't seen anything I don't like about him, and I'm glad that the team is responding to him now. You know, he, he'll be the first to tell you there's a lot more to work on, and they spent the better part of this week working on the things that need to be worked on, including the penalty kill, right? So, um, but uh, he's got another, you know, half of the season plus here to to really cement this job and, and secure a hold on this job. And I, I, I like the leader in the clubhouse right now. I really do. We'll see what happens here. I mean, as you know, as impressive as the turnaround was when he took over with just four points in the first 12 games. You know, they've won nine of 18. They've picked up more points with some overtime uh, or shootout losses. They uh, they still, you know, have six teams to leap. So, you know, look, if the season had started when Derek took over, they'd be in the mix right now for the wild card spot. But they've got their work cut out, and it starts against Nashville later on today. Uh, and the other thing, too, we've seen them get better defensively. Uh, we've seen much improvement in net, certainly with Mark Andre Fleury, who said, as he said in the, in the rapid fire, very good. Thank you. <laughs> um, but they got to pick up scoring, Man, both five on five oh. and on the man advantage. When he said, guys on the bench are saying, you know, you got to shoot that puck, you got to, no, everyone should be, you know, screaming that in unison because, you know, Kirby Doc uh, talked about it in his position and his up and down season a year removed, coming up on a year removed from his wrist surgery, he's got to be better, and he's got to shoot the puck, and he's got to score. The The advanced metrics are terrific about whether he can, you know, have the puck possession through the neutral zone or passing. Um, but all, there's there's half a, half a dozen guys that really should be well ahead in the scoring pace this year for this team to make any inroads to that playoff conversation that Derek King said is further down the road. Let me ask you this question, because this season has, I I mean, been like no other season I have experienced in my almost 30 years in the business. You know, from the off the ice stuff, which is just horrific, and the about face that this organization had to endure, the people they had to let go, and then now this the last two months of trying to, you know, put the pieces back together still while they're looking for a a head of hockey ops. Kind of from your perspective as a lifelong Chicagoan, a fan of the franchise, where do you think they are right now, Brian? Uh, you know, it, it because of all the stops and starts and because of all the off-ice things they've had to deal with in very short order, um, and then you know, having let Jeremy Colleton go and, and restart this hockey engine, I've never seen a season like it. I mean, look, I've covered Blackhawk seasons where you knew, you know, they were expected to be good, they weren't good, and they got worse as the season went on. And it seemed like every three months we were having a, a press conference to announce a firing of coach, a hiring of a new head coach, a firing of GM, a hiring of a new GM. And, you know, it just, and that went on for a better part of a decade where on paper you had stars, right? I mean, you probably had as many stars back then as you do on this team. It's interesting that Derek King once came to Jonathan Tate said focused. Um, <laughs> he's that. But, yeah. you know, again, so many of the, the guys on this team are just not 
they don't look like themselves, right? I mean, even Patrick Kane, the the, the best, uh, will probably tell you he needs to be better offensively. So the offense to me is just dumbfounding when you look on paper and look at this roster and look at the guys who have been able to put the puck in the net. I don't understand how that's been such a problem for pretty much the duration of the season. Coming up, we will chat with the athletic Scott Powers. He is all over this team with his buddy Mark Lazarus. He joins us next on the Hockey Show. Happy New Year, everybody, on ESPN 1000. The ESPN 1000 Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Happy New Year, everybody. With Brian Hanley, I am Pat Boyle. It is uh, our pleasure to bring in former colleague here at this station. He's been doing a fantastic job with The Athletic, along with his line mate, Mark Lazarus. He's the one and only Scott Powers. Scott, Happy New Year. How you doing? Good, guys. How you guys doing? We're hanging in there. You know, I talked to... Brian, in the last segment, just about everything that has gone on here since the start of the season and most of that coming off the ice and all the changes that have happened because of it and everything that's gone on since the change in coaching and where the team sits right now. As someone who's covered this team for a long time, how do you put in perspective what you've seen here over the last three and a half months or so? Uh, on and off the ice? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a wild ride, right? It's, <laughs> it's been a crazy year. I mean, it feels like, you know, it's funny, Laz and I were, were talking about the moments of 2021, and it's like, wow, that happened this year, and that happened this year, and, and it just went down the list, and, it, and the list kept on growing. And, um, you know, obviously obviously everything with Kyle Beach and, and, and the lawsuits and the report and all that stuff is, is certainly number one, and you know, Stan Bowman and, you know, everything else kind of follows that. But then, you know, all the stuff on the ice, too. And, um, you know, Taves sitting out and Shaw, you know, retiring and Duncan Keith and Seabrook being traded and, um, you know, Jeremy Carlton being fired. And, yeah, just it's been, you know, Seth Jones and being acquired. Like, it's been it's been a crazy, crazy year in, in every in every respect. So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I, I've been on the beat for, for 10 seasons now and certainly covered some Stanley Cups and, and some interesting things on and off the ice, but there's there's been nothing like like this year before. So Scott, when you look at the balance of the season once they get going here again this afternoon, and you know they've triaged the defense; it's so much better. They worked this week on the PK because all of a sudden that's a really huge problem in the last eleven games or so, and the power uh, power plays had its moments as well. It just—it seems like it's, it stops and starts, and as soon as you get one thing going, there's something else that needs to be addressed. Between now and the end of the season, how much better can this team be, and how much more cohesive can the entire product be? Yeah, you know, it's—it it feels like five on five they are what they are. You know, like mm-hmm. there's gonna—it seems like a bunch that's gonna struggle to score. Um, just defensively, the fact that they've improved that it's given them a chance. I, I think it's the special teams where. 
if they have any chance of making a run, like they just need to be better on both sides. Um, you know, the penalty kill was really good at the beginning of the season and, um, you know, kept them in some games. And, uh, you know, even the power play was really good in the early in the season where it just it felt like the puck was flowing and, you know, Seth Jones was really making a difference and um, that all dried up. So for, for both sides of the penalty, you know, for the penalty kill and power play, both a struggle here um, and just not getting that five-on-five scoring, it, it's been harder to win games. And certainly they've had to keep games really close and the margin for error has been so small. So, you know, it's been interesting the last few days just how much work they've put into into the penalty kill, and that's really been the focus. So, you know, if they can prevent, prevent some of those goals, like they, they've just been taking so many penalties as of late, too, so it's, it's been a little bit harder. And then if they can get the power play going, you know, I feel like we've, we've thought, said this about this team for so long, even when they were, you know, winning games, that there, there's too much talent on the ice to be uh, to be struggling in the power play. When, when you have a unit with, you know, Kane and Debrinkit and, um, you know, certainly Seth Jones and Taves and, you know, whoever they put in that, in that bumper role. Um, it's, there's a lot of just, you know, a lot of collective talent there, and you, you think they would figure it out. So um, I feel like if they can get those two things going, at least they give themselves a chance. Um, but without that, I, you know, I just kind of question, you know, considering, you know, what we've seen. It's, it's been a pretty large sample size of the 5-on-5 five five right now. It hasn't really gotten a whole lot better, at least offensively. Scott Powers from The Athletic joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Uh, Henrik Borgstrom will skate uh, between Kane and DeBrinket uh, starting later on this afternoon. And, you know, earlier in the week, Derek King was asked, you know, kind of what type of centerman is best for those two? And he kind of just said anybody. Look, you've watched this now up close and personal over 10 seasons. Uh, I was just going back at some looking at some uh, tape on uh, Artem Anisimov. And if they could just find somebody to accept the role that Anisimov accepted the year that he was between Panarin and Kane. Uh, and again, it's a question that we've been asking for, you know, for, for several years is somebody to accept that net front role. Uh, they could make quite a living if, if they were able to do that. Why do you think it's been so difficult to find the right person or the right match? Yeah, I mean, arguably, if P.S. Suter made, made money because he fit in between those two, you know, like he yeah. became too expensive because he fit what they needed on that on that line. And, you know, Suter got paid by Detroit and Blackhawks weren't willing to pay him because he, he had such a successful season between those two guys. And he, he did that, you know, like he went and got pucks and he, he just hung around the net and just capitalized and scored a lot of goals. And, um, uh, you know, when I look at Kane's pass especially, you know, you look at Anisimov, you look at Brad Richards, you look at Hanzus, you know, I mean, Hanzus' career was, was falling off and he comes over to the Blackhawks and, uh, you know, he has a resurgence and helps them win a cup because he fit what they needed. Um, it, it's someone that does need to, doesn't need to touch the puck a whole lot in the offensive zone. Like, he does uh, he does all those things you said. Um, and, and I know Derek King likes to simplify it because it, it is simple in a way because you, you don't do have to do a, a whole lot, but you have to do some specific things. And, um, you know, like, like Kirby Doc hasn't worked there and Dylan Strom hasn't, hasn't worked there and, uh, you know, we'll see about Borgstrom. Borgstrom has been playing better, I thought, you know, as of before he got sick. And um, But he doesn't necessarily fit that role. He's a, he's a guy who, who likes to touch the puck a lot, too. He's very skilled, so maybe maybe it works. Um, you know, there's a point there where Strom was working with the Brinkman McCain, certainly at least a few years ago pretty consistently. So, um, But, yeah, it's it's almost like you need to go out and get someone who fits that role rather than the most talented center. Like, you just need someone who... Um, yeah, it just it does a lot of those, a lot of those little things, and uh, the Blackhawks have really, you know, as, as simple as it may sound, they've really struggled to find that person. And 
Um, and, and, you know, bringing back Suter might have been the easiest thing, but certainly weren't, you know, they weren't willing to pay that price to bring him back. You mentioned Kirby Doc, Scott, and he talked this week about trying to tune out the noise and it's difficult and he's got to be better. Um, you know, I forget that he's not even 21. He'll turn 21 in January. But, you know, third overall pick a couple of weeks ago, there was a Twitter poll and almost 60% of the fans who responded said they don't see him as a top line center, let alone a star uh, that, you know, you would hope a third overall pick would be um, when you see him and, you know, we, the wrist surgery and he's a, a year removed from that, you know, is the ceiling been lowered or is this just, you know, there've been so many stops and starts physically and now maybe mentally that it's too early to really gauge where, where he's going to end up. Yeah, I think it's too early. I, I think, you know, I think he's disappointed. Obviously the fans are disappointed. He, you would have thought that this was a year that he, you know, kind of springboard. You know, he looked so good going into the World Juniors. Um, you know, obviously he's playing against a lesser competition, but he was looking so good. He was so confident. He was playing at such an elite level and then has had wrist surgery. And, um, you know, you see at times in training camp and, you know, it just it spurts where you see him do things that, um, you know, not a lot of players can do. He has that size. He has a lot of, you know, puck possession skills. He um, you know, when, when he's motivated, like he can lift sticks and, and defend, uh, it's doing, doing it consistently. And, um, you know, when you look at a lot of the metrics, he gets a lot of great chances around the net, just not finishing. So, um, you know, I feel like, you know, it's working with the right skills trainer in the summer or putting in, in that type of work where you're just, um, you know, a lot of the, you know, I, I guess a lot of the, uh, uh, what's the word? You just, a lot of these things that you want from a player, they're, they're happening. It's just, it's finding a way to best utilize those moments, you know, like it's finding a way to put, uh, you know, he's getting in the right spots, but then just not finishing or capitalizing on those chances. So I think there's a lot to like about his game and he's at such a young age too, that I think he can develop. Um, but yeah, at this point, you know, three years in, there's certainly injuries have, have derailed a little bit, but you would have thought he'd have more production at this point. So um, I think I see both sides of the coin, but it is early. I mean, like you said, he's, he's yet, He's got to be 21, and, um, you know, there's a lot of developing that can still happen. But um, it'll be interesting. You know, this season, you know, he's hoping to turn it around. And, um, you know, we'll see. But there are, there are, I think there are a lot of positives to him. But um, it's it's a matter of yeah, kind of just capitalizing on those opportunities that he's creating. Scotty, I just see a, a guy that's putting way too much pressure on himself. You know, when he walks into those Zooms, and, again, it's not like we're in the locker room every day like we've been prior to, to COVID to kind of see body language and, you know, how are they, how are they putting the helmet back on the rack? And like, what, you know, where is their mind at? He looks like the weight of the world is on his shoulders and he's kind of see, seeing the Trevor Zegris's of the world, you know, uh, on the highlight film and comparing himself to other players in that draft. It, it just seems like to me, and again, this is what, you know, Derek King does best is try to lighten the mood. This kid needs to do what you said, it, you know, go back to that bubble in Edmonton. I put in tape of that and uh, and watch him play at his best against, you know, NHL competition and and try to just have some fun out there. Because to me, every time we talk to him, it seems like a guy who's reading press clippings too much and hearing the negativity and not able to, to block the noise. Yeah, you know, I, I guess on the one hand, like he he cares, and that, and that's important. You know, like yeah. you hear enough where a guy doesn't seem to care, and, and Doc cares a whole lot, and you know, you see him putting in the, in the time to work on faceoffs, and 
Um, you know, you see him on the ice, he's certainly trying to, you know, uh, to get better, and, and, and maybe he is reading it a little bit, you know, more. I, I, you know, I wrote a piece earlier this week kind of, you know, talking to some people about him and, um, and saying that, you know, he's overhandling the puck was the big part where he's just, um, he's trying to do too much with it, you know, like he has the puck a lot, but it's not, it's not really going anywhere. So, uh, it's, it, it does feel like a simplification maybe for him where he just, um, you know, have a purpose with the puck or, you know, or, or, or firing the way to yeah do something different than you are because you, you, you're able to get the puck that much. And you look at the possession numbers, he's, he's among the, uh, among the top players on the team. So, um, yeah, you know, for, you know, for a kid that young, who's, there is a lot of weight on him, you know, because of where he was picked and his own expectations, but, um, and maybe Derek King is the, you know, Derek King might be the right coach for this, where I think, um, you know, especially when they were struggling, like the, uh, it's harder to focus on, uh, on the prospects and the younger guys. And, and, you know, you're just looking to try to win games. And it feels like Derek King's message and, you know, the way that, you know, we, we've heard a lot about how he's dealt with Dominic Kubelik and, you know, trying to get, trying to get him on the right page that, you know, being in Kirby Doc's ear might be just what he needs now, just to, um, yeah, stop overthinking it maybe and, and try to find a way to regain his confidence because it seems like his game does spiral a little bit when he, when he loses it. Well, uh, quickly, Scott, we appreciate you coming on today. Uh, last year, Stan Bowman didn't even want to entertain questions about when the team would contend to be a postseason playoff team. Then in the summer with the rash of moves he made and investments he made, it was all about the playoffs. Where are we now if you're a Hawks fan looking? Is this a hybrid? Is it back to a three-year rebuild? Is there some other word to use for it? Yeah, I, I think it, I think there are ways away. Um, you know, I, I just there, there's not a whole lot in the pipeline, uh, especially offense. But I actually think defensively they might be better off than they have in a long time, which is the opposite of what it's been. But um, you know, you look at Lucas Reichel coming, but beyond that, there aren't a lot of sure prospects. Um, you know, not having the first round pick next year could be uh, extremely costly for the future too. And uh, you know, you look at the guys who they might walk away from. You know, Dil- Dylan Strom's an RFA and Kuba Leak's an RFA, and these are guys that you thought of a few years ago being top six players. And um, you, they don't have a goalie signed for next year. You know, I, I don't know how that plays out. I don't know if Flurry has any interest in coming back, and you know, Lincoln into UFA, and um, you know, it's just it's uh, you know, Kane and Taze are going to continue to get older, so. Um, yeah, th- there's a lot of hurdles, and I-, I think whoever, you know, whether it's Kyle Davidson or whoever takes over, um, th- there's a lot of work to be done because I think uh, I think they were banking on this team being being the, you know, being a uh, maybe not a contender, but at least a playoff team. I mean, the trade the trade for Seth Jones, and then also the you know to give up that first round pick next year. You're really banking on uh, being on a playoff team because that that was a massive gamble. And as of right now, they're they're not they're not nearly a playoff team. So. Um, you know, you just look at what's in the pipeline and contracts and all those different things. I, I see a team that needs a lot of work. So, um, you know, I, like I said, I think defensively, and, and, you know, obviously you have some pieces like Doc and, you know, Reichel that are pretty young and certainly to bring kids, you know, just entering his prime and he's, uh, you know, he'll be a lot more costly in his next contract. There, there are definitely pieces to build around, but they, they certainly need a lot more than this. So I, I think it'd be a few years uh, again before we start talking about them really being a, a top team. Scott Powers from The Athletic. Keep up the great work. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you down the road. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. We'll wrap up The Hockey Show coming up next. The Hockey Show. With Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The Hockey Show. Presented by Bettenhausen Automotive. 
Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app, on the FM 100.3 HD2, and on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Back on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year to our sponsor, Bettenhausen in Tinley Park. Uh, thanks to our producer, Eric Ostrowski. Uh, Brian, we had the uh, the best-looking producer ever at ESPN 1000 today. Olive Rose Ostrowski was in the booth for her first show on this Outstanding, day. Outstanding, proud papa. Uh, man, one? When's yeah, one. the birthday? Yeah. And uh, kept me sort of honest on clock discipline, but not really. She's 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 drooling right now. I don't know if that's if that's, that's because just dad that's, that's just normal. Okay, all right. Uh, hey, our one timer segment. Uh, look, did you? I don't know if you caught everything that Brad Marchand had to say, but he he was upset that the the NHL players are not able to go to the Olympics. And he found it funny that the NHL and the players association could change the rules of a CBA add a taxi squads. They don't miss any games. Don't lose any money. Uh, but when it comes to the Olympics, why not do the same thing? Give these players, give them a taxi squad to make up for the 120 or so that end up going to the Olympics. My take on this was, how badly did the did the did the players really want to go? Look, look, I, I don't think any of these players love the uncertainty of being quarantined three to five weeks by the Chinese government. I don't think any of them like the idea that not any of them, a, a, a good chunk of them, did not like the idea of this not really being your typical. Winter Olympics. There's going to be no uh, fans in the stands. There's going to be no Olympic Village feel. You're going to be kind of locked in a room to try to take on uh, and, and stay healthy. And yeah, if you test positive, you're going to be really locked in a room. You don't even, They didn't even know what, what that would entail. And there have been outbreaks in China now, too, and there's zero tolerance by the government there. I didn't hear any enthusiasm and, and you know saying, yeah, it would have been nice if we went, You know, whether it was Kane or whoever was talking about it. But you heard the kind of like, I understand it, right? Because of it, it wouldn't have been an Olympic experience. And look, 80 games postponed already. Uh, the month of February might not be enough. The three weeks, you know, including the All-Star game, you might even need more uh, as, as this thing moves along. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I understand Brad's disappointment, but that's, you know, the pandemic is greater than all of us. Well, let's hope we get things under control. The Hawks back in action this afternoon. I'll see you on NBC Sports Chicago for that. Brian, Happy New Year, and uh, we'll talk next Saturday. Happy New Year, Pat. That's going to do it for the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You've been listening to the Hockey Show, presented by Bettenhausen Automotive in Tinley Park and Orland Park. Did you miss something? Yeah, pretty sure you did. Podcasts are a click away on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000.